There's heroes and legends. Heroes live forever, but legends never die. And if you want to be a legend, you'll follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SeenItPod. You'll like and subscribe on Apple and Spotify and leave us a five-star review. The Sandlot, coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where at least one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that person is Tommy. He had never seen The Sandlot before. How you how you nope. feeling, Tommy? Uh, so I watched a, watched a decent movie. It was a fun coming-of-age movie. Um, I never was a baseball kid, so that's why I never saw this movie. Um, I was the kid in Little League that uh, my highlight of Little League was uh, searching for a four-leaf clover, four-leaf clover in the outfield, and I found one that day. And it was the highlight of my athletic career, so that says a lot about me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my contact picture for Tommy and my phone, I can't even find like the hard copy of this photo anymore because it's just been removed from the earth, but I put it in there in like middle school, in like high school or something like that. And it's yeah, yeah. just a picture of Tommy. It's probably the only picture that exists that Tommy did play JV football in seventh grade or whatever. And it's just a picture of Tommy <laughs> in a football helmet. That's that's my con that'll forever and always be my contact picture for you, Tommy. And and it was it was before I, I was wearing contacts, so I was completely blind when I was playing football and I just didn't know what the fuck was going on. That's very helpful in football too, not being able to see. That usually helps. Although I feel like you would have been like a lineman. Like you could probably I was a lineman. You could so see I could you could push what's yeah, in front you of could me. See the people coming. But I think it's interesting because this is one of those movies that when I was a kid, it it lived in my vhs player i'm surprised i would wouldn't be surprised if my vhs copy of this movie just didn't work because it was overplayed like that's how many times i have seen yeah like when i was watching like i had really haven't watched this movie actually i think i watched it a couple of years ago like maybe 2018 i watched it one night casually but i don't think mm. i've ever really like watched it watched it like since i was a kid but it, it I'm I'm gonna be interested to hear your takes because I think this is an interesting movie to get the perspective from somebody who wasn't a child mm. that saw this movie because it is such mm. a kid movie, you know. Um, I I feel I feel like you're gonna like this movie and defend this movie the way that I defend um, Space Jam. Now Space Jam's a worse movie than this, I'd say probably by a mile. By but, a mile. This is a, this is a co but, uh, but cohesive uh, story, Tommy. Because of my because of my because of my nostalgia though i would rather watch space jam over and over again just because i remember being a kid watching that movie whereas i don't really have that for this I'm, movie uh, i still liked it but yeah you know. I, I mean <laughs> i will i guess it's a good time to just dive like i can still watch space jam like i just think it's a bad yeah. i just think it's a bad movie like without question i i think I think the game scenes are funny and they still hold up. And sometimes I like <laughs> during that quarantine when uh, the NBA first shut down, like the week when like pretty much all things were going hell breaking loose. I saw the NBA was canceled and I was like, I got to watch Space Jam. And I immediately switched immediately to the fucking uh, game scene. because I was like, I got to watch this again. <laughs> I need basketball. Maybe it's because like I grew up <laughs> watching Looney Tunes at the time um, that I wish yeah. that the Looney Tunes part of Space Jam was better. Because it just felt like the writers on Space Jam were vaguely familiar with the characters of Looney Tunes, but like didn't actually dive into the cartoons to see what made them special. And I just think it's because it's like a generic plot, but it's a kid's movie. That's fine. I just feel like the huge, like the best part until the big game is like the scene where Michael Jordan's just playing basketball to fly like an eagle. Like that's the best scene in the movie. (laughs) It's just a Michael Jordan highlight reel. Yeah, no, or that that were like the come on and slam the opening credits where it's just a montage of Jordan Duncan on yeah. people. Yeah, well, that song slaps. But <laughs> this is not yeah, a podcast exactly. on Space Jam, unfortunately. If we ever find somebody who has never seen that movie, maybe we'll cover it. But I don't know anybody who hasn't seen that movie. D- D- DM us if you want to be on the show and uh, you want to talk about Space Jam. So uh, 
I could just gush about my childhood. <laughs> yeah, don't don't do that, please, please, for the love of God, don't. Anyway, we're talking about Sandlot. <laughs> anyway, this is the Sandlot. I want you to make some friends this summer. They were nine great kids having one great summer. They'll become friends. Just stand there and stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. They'll become a team. Oh, yeah, all right. And one of them... You're the best. ...will become a legend. Two thumbs up, say Siskel and Ebert. The Sandlot, rated PG. Now playing at theaters everywhere. In the summer of 1962, a new kid in town is taken under the wing of a young baseball prodigy and his rowdy team, resulting in many adventures. So I think for me, re-watching this movie, nothing happens the first 50 minutes of this movie. Uh, not in a good way. In it's, a good way. Not in yeah. a bad way. Just in... It's very much a hangout movie in the first like uh, like third of the yeah, it's, where It's um, about a kid trying to make friends and he meets them and that's the story they go through. It's, hmm. I think this movie, what it nails and why I think it holds up why when you're doing research for this movie there's a 25th anniversary for this movie like a reunion with all the guys like I think they cleaned up the field where the sandlot was filmed and they filmed it on set because I think it was filmed in Utah or something like that um yeah the movie takes place in the suburbs of Los Angeles but uh no I think it was filmed in Utah from what I remember because I remember watching that when it came out but I, I didn't watch it for this um I don't find those things particularly that interesting because I could just watch the movie. I don't need to hear people talk about the movie 25 years later. Um, oh, I, I'm the exact opposite. Literally, like I uh, speaking of last week when we covered Josie, I just got the vinyl for that and they had an oral history of the soundtrack. I just read that for like about like 30 minutes. <laughs> I, I can just go deep dives. Like most of the books I read now are just oral histories of movies I love. <laughs> At least you're reading, Tommy. That's what's important. Uh, exactly i think i think the sandlot just gets just now hits the nail on the head of the kid like the summer vacation like that break mm -hmm. just running around with your friends i think it just mm -hmm. hits the nail on the head and i think it captures it so purely and i love that like like the big plot of it like yes using a babe ruth baseball is stupid and it's very it, it, it's stupid it's dumb like and doing that is one of the dumbest things a human could possibly do but i will say it they did like the whole like the plot like where it goes like the real conflict of the movie it feels so tangible where i feel like a lot of times with like kids adventure movies they kind of never feel that realistic you know it's always kind of like fantasy it goes to some weird like high fantasy type of yeah, situation it, where it's just like oh there's a wizard involved and, or, or like the or, or like the goonies where it's just such a an adventure like i've never seen the goonies mm. but like i've heard it's one of those movies if you saw it as a kid you love it if you didn't see it as a kid you're probably not going to like it because it you know I've, I've heard it get captures the essence of being a kid but i think it's such an unrealistic setting for a kid i think this one resonates with a lot of people our age this in a lot of ways reminded me of um you know some coming of age movies or even like uh it um like the stephen king novel minus the clown stuff but and the rape scene? Love it is just well whoa, whoa, wait wait whoa wait actually there is a not there's not rape in this movie but i mean we got to talk about maybe the most iconic scene from this movie uh, it's a forever Halloween couple's costume, Wendy Peppercorn and Squints, um, where he just he goes for it, man. Yeah, he, he for people who haven't seen the movie or watching, basically what happens is uh, Squints is uh, this nerdy little kid with glasses that plays baseball and he's obsessed with this uh, lifeguard. And basically just fakes drowning so the lifeguard could give her CPR, uh, CPR and he goes in for a huge kiss. Um, yeah, Tommy, I just so want to let you know you're the last person on earth to see this movie. Everybody else has had this movie on VHS hey, in the 90s. Hey, I don't, I, well, yeah, I don't think everyone's in the 90s, maybe. Like, yeah, but know, uh, so. this, I think uh, this movie's kind of timeless because it's just that, like, it's that 
Like I didn't even realize it. To be fair, it was 1960s. It just felt like, yes, it was a simpler time, and this is what kids did in a simpler time. And I think any child of any age can kind of relate to that. Just it, it, it's very timeless in that sense that like um, very much like like I was saying it earlier, where it's just like a coming of age story in the 60s and like uh, late 50s, where you know none of the outfits seem extremely outdated. Well, for what the kids are wearing at least, uh, compared to the adults at least. And just kind of seems it's just kids hanging out in the summer. You know, kids are probably doing the same thing right now. Yeah. I think you, I think you can transplant baseball with any, like even something modern, like kids that just play video games all the time. Like I think you can take this experience and put it in a basement, and you can make a similar movie. Like he opened his dad's rare copy of Mario on the NES that was in the box to play it to impress his new friends. Like I just think the idea of doing something wrong and taking something really valuable to try to solidify yourself in a friend group where you they're accepting you but you still feel kind of foreign there is something that a yeah. lot of kids can relate to and i just think like this is where i think this movie like shines like i think the humor it's good i mean the movie the movie in general i mean uh my one thing about the movie is that it plays a lot of the familiar beats that we've seen in a lot of these uh coming of age stories but those beats are good for a reason and this is a good adaptation of those beats you know yeah. well i think i so, think part of what i like about it is that it's it's small like i just feel like a lot of time these coming of age they're always a little bigger or they're coming of age where it's in high school and it's about the girls and it's about the it's about the and anything else you know it's it's always a little bigger yeah. it's either going into fantasy when it's kids roughly 10 you know usually like they open a they open a bridge to somewhere it's harry potter right he's going to this mystical thing it's like no no, no this is in your backyard if you live in America, this yeah. is in your town somewhere. You can find this on your bicycle. And uh, I think one of the things I like is that Benny, the Jets Rodriguez, is is kind. I think a lot of times you don't get, like, the, the big guy, right? Like, he's the boss of that crew. Mm. You know, yeah. he's just genuinely kind. Like, he invites Smalls in to the group when he knows he can't play baseball and just teaches them like which is so funny because uh like smalls apparently like knew how to play baseball like the actor who played him um and he had to learn how to pre uh, pretend like he didn't know how to throw and he's like saying like oh my little league coach must have been so disappointed so uh it's funny the beginning of the movie where they all see this kid and like who the fuck is this little like wimp that can't throw a baseball like what's going on here? also i like that there's a couple shits thrown in there too in the movie like actual like the word shit thrown in kids cursing yeah. is always great um especially in that uh little scene where they're throwing insults at each other <laughs> i think it's funny too when you think about it it's like squints had to pretend he didn't know how to play baseball and the kid mitch and dazed and confused not squints um, small sorry and the kid uh, in the kid who played mitch in dazed and confused had never thrown a baseball before and he had to look like simulate pitching and from what i read about that it was like hell trying to get this kid to look somewhat convincing as a yeah. pitcher because he doesn't look convincing in days to confused at all. I think I think it's better. It's easier to pretend like you don't know how to throw than it is to pretend like you oh do for sure, especially pitching. Like I think anybody can kind of yeah. mock the throwing motion, but pitching is very particular. It's all arm slot, and there's just like an athletic force that comes with it. Like I am a big baseball fan. I'm a big Mets fan. If you do not, if you're not familiar with me all that well, the reason I picked this movie is because on Thursday, which is today, which hopefully you're listening, is in theory baseball's opening day. It might there's gonna be a lot of weather issues, so I don't know what the what's actually gonna happen. No, to be honest, I, just rain rainstorms all it, weekend, just like fucking baseball's canceled again for the weekend. Yeah. Well, let's listen. I could do a two-hour podcast on the state of baseball right now, and it's not positive. <laughs> so let's Timmy spin off. Let's, uh, baseball let's get podcast. let's get away from that. Don't don't tempt me with a good time, Tommy. <laughs> God damn it! I'll drag you yeah. on here and I'll yeah. talk to you about baseball, and you'll just go, yeah, 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 the whole the entire time. It, it'll, It'll just be Timmy just monologuing for about like the fucking like goddamn commissioner. I don't even know who the commissioner is. But anyways, uh, we touched upon this recently, but I wanted to go back to this a little bit. Um, the Wendy Peppercorn scene um, about how funny that was just like kids being kids in a way that like 
yeah, maybe the scene doesn't age the best, but it's still just like in a way, just kind of funny. Just because it would be a stupid thing that a kid would yeah. do to try and get a girl's oh, attention. Yeah, and especially like the hot lifeguard at the pool. I feel like ev- everybody Blade. had that crush at yeah. the pool or something like that. And Squints had the balls to do it. Well, I think it's interesting because in the movie, they, he, the narrator of Smalls, like the older voice of him, says mm. it was wrong, it was dirty, it was scoundrel. And then he was like, but he kissed her and he kissed her good. I'm like, I would not call that a good kiss. But they ended up together and they had nine children. So Some, something. Yeah, shoot or shoot, you know? Yeah, exactly. So um, what's really funny was uh, researching about this movie, about that specific scene. Uh, the actor who played Squint, uh, Chauncey Leopardy. Uh, the only other thing I've seen him in at before this was Freaks and Geeks. Uh, he played the main bully in that show. But anyways, uh, he was so anxious about the kissing scene that he kept on asking the director. So like, oh, are we shooting the kissing scene today? Or are we shooting the kissing scene? Like, come on, like, I want to get this. <laughs> well, it's good to, it's yeah. good to know that he wasn't really acting in that scene. He, he was definitely trying to get away with, can, can we just do another take? I didn't feel right about that one. Yeah. He was given uh, specific instructions by the director uh, that was like, all right, don't fucking give her any tongue. <laughs> just like keep your tongue in your goddamn mouth. Imagine here. saying that to a 10 year old, like keep your tongue in your fucking mouth, you little sprat. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, like, like Mary Shelton, like she she does not uh, need your tongue in her mouth. <laughs> on, this is our, this is already bordering on weird. I wonder if they had to have somebody like on the set to monitor that situation. I I think so. Like any um, like in Superbad, McLovin was seventeen at the time. So when they did that sex scene, McLovin's mom had to be on set to watch him because like she, he was still a minor. That's so his mom had. That's yeah. uncomfortable. Oh, I did not know that. Which that that adds that adds another uncomfortable, awkward layer to Superbad, a movie that already is uncomfortable and awkward, but in the best way possible. I don't really think I don't really think of Superbad as like awkward and uncomfortable. Well, it's I'd say a lot of it's just like you, the characters being awkward in that movie. Yeah, well, I, I mean, like, it's Michael Sarah, so yeah. Uh, but we are not <laughs> talking about Superbad because we could just because we've both seen it a lot, a of, lot times. of times. <laughs> Yeah. This is, I think the best way place to kind of start is just the story of a kid, like at the beginning, right? The story of a kid who just doesn't have friends, doesn't know how to make friends, is a nerd. I like the, like the little setups. Like I think the screenplay is like, for, for what this movie is, it's not some high work of art or anything, but it's, it's tight, it's cohesive. It doesn't make you scratch your head. Like all the motivations of the characters make sense. Everything about it makes sense. And I feel like a lot of times in kids' movies, it's not like that, especially when the kids are acting. Like I've never seen The Sandlot 2 or The Sandlot 3. I've heard nothing but these might be the worst um, movies ever made. I've actually seen The Sandlot 2. I don't know if all of it, but I've seen at least like a decent portion of it. How? how I guess if you didn't finish it, that kind of says it all, huh? <laughs> Um, well, apparently, I, I didn't know this. So the director, uh, David Mickey Evans, he directed The Sandlot 2 and he directed The Sandlot 3. So those both of those are directed DVD trash. So it was very clear that at a point in his career, he was just uh, digging up the fucking grave and being like, okay, what can I like make left of my career? What right can here? I what can I get cash um, for? Yeah, because like this, well, I think it's interesting when you're working with kids, right? Like I've, I've read the line that like a movie will always make itself like a great director can stand beside it. I think you have to be good with children in a movie like this to get it to work. I yeah. feel like when, like, I, I mean, I know we talk about it a lot, but like Star Wars, like The Phantom Menace, the kid's terrible and it's because George Lucas can't work with actors and then you have to make him work with a kid because he's the most awkward <laughs> human being alive. And, it, yeah. and it's George Lucas. It's, horrendous uh, like my friend last it's night. horrendous dialogue like that movie yeah it's like i was telling my friend last night i was like george lucas is a great idea man but the second you tell him to tell people emotions or like aka like direct a movie it's awful it's faster <laughs> and more intense that's that's his one line what stood out to you outside of the wendy peppercorn scene like what was big to you because i'm more interested in what you have to say than me just gushing over this movie kind of just nailing childhood <laughs> talking about everything yeah well uh, i like i said i liked a lot of the hangout vibe of the movie where i liked the first half where pretty much nothing was happening there wasn't really any plot 
and it was just the kids talking and like you know like playing baseball and just being friends and getting the hijinks like going on the carnival thing i think that this movie uh very much was great at like just showing the bond of friendship between these kids you really felt that the kids were friends and um it's because the set was like that. These uh, all the actors said that this was like one of the best summers of their lives of, of all the kid actors, you know, and because they just got to be kids and just hang out and like it really reminded me of being like a little kid, like hanging out and like going around my bicycle like, with my friends and like, just getting the shenanigans. <laughs> I think one of the things I like about it is that they get mean in this movie. They get really mean in this movie, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. there's one king of mean in this movie, and his name's Ham Porter. Mm-hmm. Good plan, a real diamond porter. You ain't good enough to lick the dirt off our cleats. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot. Moron. Scab eater. Butt sniffer. Puss licker. Fart smeller. <laughs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek. You mixed your weeds with your mama's toe jam. Yeah! You bob for apples in the toilet, and you like it. You play ball like a girl. What did you say? You heard me. Tomorrow. Noon. At our field. Get the buffalo butt breath. Count on it, pee-drinking crap face! Yeah! Man, what what a what a lot what a just a reception of lines. Like you play ball like a girl. I heard that growing up through Little League from adults. Like that line is just iconic. Yeah, yeah, people people don't forget that one line. I mean, there's this is one of those movies that like I've seen bits and pieces before, but never in one sitting. Uh Wendy Peppercorn was one of the scenes I remember. Um, and I also remember um this scene of the kids just hurling insults at each other. So it's really memorable of like the stupid shit that kids will say to each other, like, oh, you're so fucking lame, or like you're you're such a loser, or something like that. Just it it, it captured that like 12 to 13 year old mindset. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I think. One of the things I definitely noticed that is like, oh, they just got this completely wrong and not in a bad way, not in like, oh, this ruins the movie, but just factually they got this, like they just ignored it where uh, at the end and they finally meet um, James Earl Jones, Mr. Myrtle, who had, who had been mythalized among these children. Like he was like, like the, he was like the God of death essentially in this town Hmm. and it turns out he was an old ball player that went blind and just had a big old dog named hercules in the backyard but there's a picture where they photoshop james earl jones or you know someone who looks like james earl jones next to babe ruth and lou gehrig that's actually a very famous picture it's actually a baseball player named jimmy fox who tom hanks portrays a variation of jimmy fox in uh, a league of their own that like that's that's who that person is in the picture listen another movie i didn't see until recently (laughs) listen the color barrier was not broke for like another decade and a half from when that picture would have been taken (laughs) like uh, listen i'm not trying to no no, i'm not trying to nitpick it's just like from a historical standpoint and when you think about just like like that landmark is in every history book in the united states well there's there's some things i have to uh, wonder about this movie so um if i remember correctly it's from the beginning of the movie smalls actually like really likes baseball even though he doesn't know how to play it babe ruth or who babe ruth is no well that's what i was getting to is like so like how's this kid like not know who the fuck babe ruth is i was like if I was, I was a kid obsessed with basketball in the 90s, well, I mean, maybe not the 90s, but still, if I didn't know who Michael Jordan was, uh, and like basketball is my favorite sport, I'd be like, what? <laughs> and, and also at that, like kids today know who Babe Ruth, there's probably more kids that know Babe Ruth than they do actual current baseball players because MLB does not know how to market their sport. Like they leg- what they literally I, just don't. What I, I'm trying to think like, I don't even know if I can name a current baseball player right oh, now. Tom. <laughs> Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Harvey, is he still in the um, league? No. You don't know. Oh, he's already out? Yeah. You don't know who the best pitcher in baseball is? He plays for my favorite team, Tommy. 
thought it was Matt Harvey. Matt, Har- Matt Harvey. No, it's it's J- Jacob Degrom is who I'm referring to. I had to just give a yeah, shout I, out. To I, I I have I have never heard that name before until right now. Right. So, <laughs> I, so this this is a little bubbles. I mean, I could I could name off some Knicks players right now, and you'd be like, "Who the fuck no, are they?" I, I keep up <laughs> enough with sports to at least be like, "Oh, that's a Nick." Like, if you're going to just toss, like, an Evan Fournier reference over to me, I, I'd know who that is. Okay. Because uh, baseball is, like, never on Twitter. It's never on social media. There's never, like, funny fucking memes about the goddamn baseball that I see, at least. And, like, uh, it's just, for some reason, I guess, for our generation, not as much in the culture as it used to be. It's definitely, that you're no, but you're right. It's not in the culture. It's not in the, like, I kind of liked in this movie that everybody just had a baseball room in their house. Like, we see three yeah. people's house in the in the movie um we see smalls's house and his dad's office is just a shrine to baseball then benny's room where babe ruth walks in the closet that's the only time we see that room he's just got a pennant flag flying of every every team which i guess makes sense for a kids baseball thing and then when you see mr myrtle he's got a full shrine to baseball i mean granted he knew all these people he has these signed baseballs and things like that makes sense but it's just like yeah. everybody in this room just had a shrine for baseball i just this this is a movie where like literally everyone knows about baseball everyone uh kind of just like was obsessed with baseball and i kind of have to wonder because like pop culture makes us seem like that back then like everyone was obsessed with baseball and i think that was the case i, I would but... definitely say in like a white neighborhood for sure um yeah very suburban i I went to a talk with bobby valentine who was a former mets manager and he you know he was talking about negro league integration and how one of the reasons why they really don't reach like like you know an african-american audience today is that what when the color barrier was broken they didn't bring like the kansas city monarchs who are the biggest negro league team at the time like they didn't include them into the league it was just like we're going to take the top black players and your league can fold and crumble but it was massive in those communities and that's the disconnect i mean this is not what this podcast is about obviously but i just i find it all kind of interesting because it's all in this movie a little bit yeah no, no to, to an extent um it, it is one of those things that like i felt like you know my grandpa he was obsessed with baseball but um you know i don't really other than like you and like maybe a couple other of my friends I don't know that many people that are, are obsessed with baseball or like love baseball or talk about baseball and like a lot. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I went to a Yankees game last year. I think baseball is really fun in person, but I don't know something about TV for me. Maybe my attention span is not there. <laughs> Let's not talk about the state of baseball. Yeah. So this is not the podcast about that. How many baseball movies have you seen, Tommy? Like wh- which ones have you seen? Like just offhand, you know, obviously not all of them, but like whichever ones you can, can remember. Like, did you ever see like Angels in the Outfield as a kid, Rookie of the Year? I feel like I, I feel like I might have seen that, but I feel like that I might have seen like parts of it because they played that like uh, during like the assembly times in elementary school a lot. Um, I've seen League of Their Own, but that was only like six months ago. That's a, such that. a good. That's like, such a nice. good movie. League of Their Own is a great movie. Such, I don't know why I never such seen a good movie. Um, I'm gonna Google baseball movies. I never seen. Like, did you ever um, see um, Field of Dreams? Bull nope. Durham, for the love nope. of the game, uh, M- major nope. league. Uh, yeah, I seen major league. I I just that was I'm just uh, uh, I seen the bench warmers. Uh, no, let's not include that in this list. That's that's a that counts as they played baseball. Uh, that counts know, as a baseball. But, movie. I mean, I guess just to add on to that point, and the point I'm trying to get to is why are so many like no why are so many acclaimed movies like what is it about baseball that just creates such a unique setting and it's probably the only sport i could like team sport i can think of that really translates the best to to the big screen like i feel like oh, i've seen the rookie I've seen, i remember yeah, the rookie the one yeah right. that, that one's okay with the that kid, one. sorry I'm, I'm googling i'm googling like baseball movies the, right the, now the kid, the kid from um two and a half men's in that yeah uh i do want to shout out our director david mickey evans uh who also directed uh the baseball movie ed which is uh sounds so familiar it's with matt leblanc from friends joey uh and it's with a chimp 
I think it's oh, like the chip. I remember. Or some I don't shit. think I ever saw this movie, but I remember <laughs> that VHS haunting the shelves of Blockbuster as a kid, being like, "I yeah, don't." Yeah, yeah, you saw that. A lot. I don't want to see a monkey um, playing baseball. Silly. The movie. The movie uh, got a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was nominated for Razzie Awards for Worst Picture, Worst Screenplay, which was made by the director of The Sandlot, uh, Worst Screen Couple, LeBlanc and the Ed the Chimpanzee. <laughs> And they lost all those uh, strip tees with Demi Moore. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So, but basically, that's just like one of those things. Uh, just to touch upon Dave Mickey Evans' career after Sandlot, you know, this movie is, I, I think, was good. But, you know, he did Ed and then he did First Kid, which is Sinbad, like guarding like the president's kid or something like that. Two terrible movies. And the guy's career just pretty much never recovered. I mean, all he's done since is he did Beethoven Third, Beethoven the Fourth. There's like seven or eight Beethoven movies, I think. Uh, some no-name National Lampoon movie that you never heard of. The Sandlot 2. Ace Ventura Jr. Pet Detective. I don't know. I feel bad because I think like this guy like had something with the Sandlot. Maybe this is just a passion project for him. But since then, his career is just kind of just like movies that you never want to see in your life. Probably. Yeah, I, I just, well, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the, like the, there's a lot of crossover between this movie and The Mighty Ducks. Um, a couple of the kids were in both of those movies. Um, I know the guy, Patrick Renna, who plays Ham Porter. He was also in a movie called The Big Green, which was like a kid's soccer movie. Oh, yeah. He was the goalie, Yeah, he's right? like on the cut. He's I like on the cover of it, too. Yeah, yeah. He was also an episode of The X-Files. That was really good. But I, I think it's interesting that like when you think like the adults in this movie, you have James Earl Jones, you have... Dennis Leary and you have Karen Allen like those are the main three second Karen Allen movie and even Wendy uh, Peppercorn like she's she's had a fairly successful career too what what's her name again Mary Shelton she was just in uh the new scream as the sheriff that's right yeah check out her old episode on that (laughs) I think it's interesting that like the the three or four like adult you know grown-up actors are like very like they got really respectable and reputable actors or people that were going Mm -hmm. that going that way like a like a dennis leary i don't think was really a star at this point because I, I was gonna say like this was kind of like a really like thankless, thankless role for De- uh, dennis leary he wasn't really given much to do i mean he's known as a comedian but he doesn't do really anything he's just no there's like the kind of stern dad that doesn't give a lot of love yeah, well, I, I think he kind of i think he kind of nailed it to be honest like he kind of does have that face about him of being kind of a dick like, i just see dennis at Leary and I'm just he, like, he played the role well, but I just felt like it was an underwritten role for him, I mean, but he's not the he's focus not the fo- of this. It's about the kids. I mean, all the adults are underwritten, and that's fine because it's like they're kind of like Charlie Brown adults, you know, just Karen Allen gets like one scene where she pretty much tells her kid, like, stop being a fucking nerd and get some goddamn friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think it's interesting that all the kids, like some of them are still acting. I know Patrick Brenna is still uh acting. The kid, Chauncey Leopardi, he's still acting, but a lot of them just, they did this, they did like the Mighty Ducks. They're all, they all seem to be somewhat in entertainment, but none of them have a really an acting career anymore from what I was looking at on online, like just going through their IMDb careers. I, I just think it's interesting that there wasn't like a takeaway kid. And maybe I think that's why part of this movie is timeless is that none of the, it's not like a young Lee. It's not like a young Leo DiCaprio's in this movie, where it would just. There's no like standout star where like outside maybe like a couple other '90s movies. Have you seen any of these kids really in anything yeah. before? I mean, it's and you kinda... probably outside of Patrick Renna, just because his hair and his face and like his freckles are just so distinctive that he has the most distinctive facial qualities out of out of all of these kids. They kind of, you know, like them grown up, you're probably not going to really recognize them. Like if you look at a picture of Chauncey Leopardi, he's just fully tatted, like head to toe. He does not look, there, <laughs> he does not look yeah, like the it, kid. It, he does not look like the kid that married Wendy Peppercorn. At all. No, it's it's funny because like uh, when I was researching this movie, there's an article I found that was like 30 things you didn't know about the Sandlot, something like that. And uh, they mentioned about Scotty Smalls about how he still gets recognized to this day and people call him out and like say like oh like you're killing it small sort of fuck that line is um, killing you're killing like, me you... smalls it's when they're talking about yeah you're smores. killing me smalls can i get some more yeah. like I, I i found that joke to be pretty you know pretty pleasant yeah but um anyways so it's just like 
they keep up recognizing him and saying that it's like how do you recognize this kid like 30 years later and you probably look i'm looking at a picture of him he looks fairly similar to 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 small but i don't know where he i think i read he lives in new jersey so i feel like if you found out that the guy who from the sandlot because it's one of those movies that you just that kids just see it's it's on mlb network pretty much daily it's always on tv if you're a baseball kid, this is a one of their like foundational movies. You, even if I think <laughs> even if you're into sports and not even baseball as a kid, I think this movie's getting thrown on the TV at some point because it's just a, it it there's just a real charm to this movie that I think like kind of makes it timeless. Like there's just something it's maybe a part of like I think the song selection in it is very good. Like I, the the key riff that's kind of the theme I, I, I can't remember what it's called but like the down 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 very era very era but, but something about it it just gives like the movie a little bounce and it gives the movie a life to it like they do in the jungle um tequila's in was the song is one of the songs i think that's uh this magic moment after he kisses wendy peppercorn like it just takes all these like very simple classic 60 songs and repurposes them like the kind of stuff that that you'll hear at a wedding and things like that just songs that people know i i just think when you combine a movie that nails the childhood experience and makes you want to be a part of their friend group like that's one of the strengths too like you want to go out and play ball with them that's the best thing you could say about like a hangout movie or a coming of age movie is that you want to be friends with these people. Yeah, you want to be a part of that group. You want to be a part of that experience. And I just, I think the really the scaled down and realistic plot of this, like I think a kid trying to do something good to connect further with people and doing so doesn't realize the value they're taking from their parents when they grab something. I think that's really relatable to kids and i i think i think those are like the key components as to why this movie still holds up i think the humor is still there too i think it's i think it's cute clever it's, it's still, a lot of the jokes still and like uh a lot of the big like setups or pranks like still work and still just it like like i said we said this a lot timeless where it just feels like yeah you could easily see someone doing this today and it doesn't really feel dated in a lot of aspects yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that's for sure. It's not like imagine if they set this in the 90s and they were just making like 90s references. I just saw a movie called The Lost City that just came out and I was actually looking forward to it because it's that kind of dreck that I enjoy sometimes. But like the characters just keep referencing things that have that, that like they just like Ubers and just like very contemporary references and like they don't stop talking and it's just like you're not likable like just let it breathe you know like this this well, doesn't have yes. an issue this does i feel like a lot of movies and i feel like a lot of kids movies love to make references of the time because kids are you know they're making the movie not for timeless they're making the movie to make money now and not they don't really care about the legacy of it because a lot of kids movies are just cheap yeah. cash grabs yeah ones that like pretty much are just gonna go in and out of the consciousness and like not really think about it so i mean this movie i mean while you know it takes place in the 60s other than the music there's not really a bunch of like pop culture standpoints to it um i mean if anything the biggest fucking pop culture reference is babe ruth and he died about like what like 20 years before the movie took place um, yeah, something like he died in what did he die in? I think he died in forty five, like uh, maybe forty eight. It's, yeah. It was sometime in the forties. I just I yeah. but Babe Ruth is not Babe Ruth is a part of like American folklore at this point. Babe Ruth is not yeah. some random ass baseball player from like the forties that nobody's heard of before. He's the one. He's literally like one of the most famous people in the last. I think years. before Adolf <laughs> Hitler, he was the most photographed man in the world before his rise to power. Dead serious in the twenties and the thirties. No, he that makes sense. Like he, any event, he was just taking pictures. There's a million photos of Babe Ruth. You gotta wonder who like the world record holder of that is now, because like nowadays, it's just like everyone gets uh, photographed. I mean, would it be like Tom Cruise or some shit? Maybe no, <laughs> I, no, it's not. It's not a celebrity. It would be somebody who takes a ton of pictures of themselves. But that's not really important now, is it, Tommy? <laughs> but let's 
Maybe a let's, little bit. Let's, let's <laughs> ask an important question here. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. So, Tommy, who do you think is, who do you think, like, stole the movie, like, acting-wise? It's a tricky question. It's definitely that, tricky. With yeah, 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 yeah. There is this a correct, is, is, there is, is a correct answer. I think that, honestly, who stole the movie or, like, who, like, won the movie fucking i'm looking at him right now art lafleur as fucking babe ruth i mean like the guy was in one scene and it was probably one of the most iconic scenes in the whole movie and just pretty much just like set the tone and set the message of the movie and there's that one line that we played like at the beginning of the movie like where we uh or timmy imitated at the beginning of the podcast and just as babe ruth just very iconic yeah runner up would probably be either hamilton or squints i'm Tied between See, the two. <laughs> I think Squints is more for the moment because it's the biggest moment and the most iconic moment in the movie, but it's it's Ham Porter. Yeah. I, I don't even think it's close. Uh, Art LaFleur is in this movie for 30 seconds, so I just I just cannot give it to him. I think... Uh, if we go by screen time, then yeah, I'm going to go. I, I, yeah, I think what I think Patrick Renna really captures, like, everybody kind of knows that kid that's... he's you know, he's pudgy, like he's not really fat. And I don't really, unless a kid is like genuinely obese, I don't like being saying, sitting here being like, oh, he's fat. It's just like, I don't know, he's a little, a little chunky boy, but he tries to cover that up with, with strength and power. Like when he clobbers one of the balls, when they first introduce Hercules. And he's a trash Yeah, mouth. and he's a trash he mouth. Like that one clip, oh my God, man, like those insults, you play ball like a girl. Like what a line delivery, you know. I just think that I think <laughs> apparently a lot of that was improv. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. I love that even more. Yeah. I I think character wise, I, I really, I really appreciate Benny the Jets Rodriguez being the good kid he is, just caring about other people. I feel he was good, but his character was kind of bland. I mean, like other than like interesting. I I just yeah. think I think in a lot of these kind of movies, you don't get a stronger silent type that cares about other people and wants to include other people and i think that's a really good message in a kid's movie and it's very well done it's not in your face about it it's just a mechanism to continue the story along it's not it's not in your face it's not you know you don't have karen allen being like oh that benny the chats rodriguez he's such a nice kid ah i can't believe if everybody else's kids are like that this world you know, it, there's no there's none of that it's just that one simple moment that i just think speaks to the nature of the character and i think it just maybe as an adult looking back on it yeah it's not the most prolific it's not the most it's not the most entertaining but i just think as an adult it's really nice to see when i think of a lot of kids movies i feel like this that that character is missing or when they try to have that character they like gush it up they're like look at how good he is yeah like drive the message home but i think sometimes just an under the radar thing under radar messaging can really go a long way ah, are you ready comedy partner waka, does waka. this movie work as a muppet adaptation no i i, I don't know i mean I, I could see a version of it with muppets but i mean like it would be a different movie um i mean this movie is very set in reality it doesn't really like get too zany other than the whole dog scenes yeah but there's um, the the dog is played by a puppet what, actually uh, when, it, when it's jumping yeah absolutely yeah when it's jumping and there's some points where it's like you see its hand and yeah its that's hand is very clearly a puppet yeah, that's that's um, fine um i i also yeah. want to say i liked the the scenes where they're trying to get the ball back and like how many different ways they try to to get it and like as yeah. i said like they do a nice thing like they set up that that smalls is or smalls is a he's kind of a nerd and like he likes to build yeah. these science things so when he's building these gizmos and gadgets like all right maybe it's a little unrealistic but at least they showed that he could do that like like that he is technically my he was like a whiz kid and like a straight a student it is funny because i'm looking at the poster right now and i mentioned this earlier they really really sell the dog as a part of this movie and like yeah i mean he is a driving force i guess in the last act but it's they're making it almost look like it's like a Airbud movie because the tagline in the movie is it's um, three kids holding a baseball bat and then a dog is holding the last part of the baseball bat at the end and and they're saying that's not the poster I think of I don't know if that was the what was the theatrical release of it but I will 
that's at least the poster on IMDb and Wikipedia when you pull up the movie. But um, the anyways, the t- uh, to finish uh, the tagline is they're more than a team; they're the best buddies in the entire world. And it really makes you seem like you're getting into an airbus situation where the dogs are going to play baseball with the kids. It's like what? I, I think he's a big part of it because he's just like the legend of the town. Like I feel like all kids kind of have legends in their town, like mythos. They build him up as like he's Cujo. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> like he's it's it's a monster movie. Like they even when when yeah. Benny gets the ball and they have the chase scene, which is just hilariously delightful. I loved that the second I saw that cake on the screen, I was like, you know that thing is going up in the air. There's not a shot that yeah. it's not landing on these two guys. That, that cake is that followed. cake is followed, and I, <laughs> I love that it was there, like that. It's just these nice little simple things that make you think of maybe a simpler time. I I'm seeing the other posters now where it's just like actually like the kids. Yeah. I, that's that was the VHS cover. That's the one that I will always associate. It's like embrezzled in my brain. Like Benny the Jeff Rodriguez is front and center, and they're kind of like hoisting him up, and everybody else is kind of around him and like hands in the air and stuff like that. And then like the sand lot. That's and a gonna yellow be the one text. for the Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little yeah. What are we gonna Photoshop our arms in on the bat? <laughs> <laughs> I'll pretend I'm like the dog's arm or something. Yeah, shit. <laughs> just like a hastily photoshopped, like with little edges on the side of just Tommy's arm. Like you can still see the dog arm, yeah. like part of it underneath it. Yeah, I don't think th- I don't think that would play as well. But I, I just I like that's what I, I don't know if that that might have been the theatrical release, which is a, a miss in my opinion. But I, I get not wanting to put kids on a post like a theatrical poster. It is. I mean, it, that happens. it happens, but I could see a studio being like, I because here's the thing with kids movies. Well, who are they? Who are they? Who are they trying to sell the Sandlot to except for kids to the parents to take their kids to go see it? Well, I, I have oh, come yeah. to the revelation that as a child all the things your parents make you do is just to tire you out so you'll go to sleep. And a movie is where they take you so that they could just sit down in silence for 90 minutes. That's yeah. what a movie is as, oh, a, as a kid, that as an adult. So, I mean, you do have to target both of them. I like My mom wouldn't take me, I can't remember specific ones, but if a movie seemed too obnoxious, she would not take me to go see it oh my my parents didn't care my dad would take me to go see like black hawk down with him oh yeah oh i it's not in an r-rated household that's for sure no no uh, my dad literally would drive me to go see that or like troy was in our yeah, one. But you were you were um, the third you were the third born at that point i was just like yeah it is what when, when you're when you're the youngest your parents kind of think like okay whatever like we know r-rated movies aren't gonna hurt the kid like fuck yeah it. <laughs> where i was the i was the oldest so i had the the you're the trial yeah. run where you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> exactly. I was the trial run. So it was always nice. <sighs> we can't let him watch any R-Red movies. He can't play M-Rated games at all. He has to be very careful. Pretty much. But let's go into review time. Now, Tommy, I have to be careful with you because I was talking to my mom about this recording. And she said that if you don't like this movie, I have to get a new podcast partner for this movie because my mom loves this my mom absolutely adores this movie she she thinks it's wonderful so what with that in mind um, that in mind you're you're no pressure this might be some extortion right here um so i like this movie uh so don't worry to me as well Uh, mrs castillo um yeah, uh, so this movie is good and it's really fun and charming. Um, I don't think it's that much more than your typical coming-of-age story, though. Um, like I said before, it kind of hits a lot of the familiar beats that you've seen before, but they play those beats well and those beats work for a reason. So it's very charming. You want to hang out with these kids and it really shows the power of friendship, especially when like you're a little kid and you're starting to get to know yourself and who you want to be in the world. So um I'm going to give this three out of five stars. I liked it. Um, I didn't think it was the like best thing I've seen in the world, but it was very charming. I could see myself watching it again because it's a fun summer movie. You like know? If, if you have a kid, you would you show this movie to him when he's like five or six or her? Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. It's, that's, that's, that's all that needed to be answered. Um, I think I echo the sentiments. I just think it does it so well. And I think the, the scale of the story being so small like you don't you don't really get just like a kid hangout movie like that like that doesn't happen because it's hard to make kids likable that long without a, a plot really driving them forward or having an adult 
there to kind of like carry some of the the weight. Yeah, like Bad News Bears has Walter Matthau really carrying them. Yeah, (laughs) not even just baseball. I'm just thinking like kids movies in general. It's either like the Goonies where they're Mm -hmm. going on some crazy adventure or there's an adult that's working. Like, are we there yet? You have Ice Cube and then you have your kids, right? Like that's a very generic staple formula. So like, you know, it plays the beats well. I just think that's the unique part of it. The adults are Charlie Brown in this movie, essentially. They're not important. And I just, I love that about this movie. Um, I, I'm going to give this a three and a half out of five. I, and it's, a, it's in my heart. I've seen it a hundred times. I just think this movie in 50 years, people will still be talking about this movie or, you know, at the 50 year mark, at least. I, I, I think that like, it depends on like a certain like nostalgia there is for, I, would this fit more into the nineties nostalgia or the sixties nostalgia? I just think? think it's timeless, to be honest. I didn't even know that okay. it was 1962 until I saw the cake that said 1962 on it at the end of the movie. The years are relevant. I just think it's a, That's it's, true. it's a, they don't, explicitly state I, I, the I can, year i can see this being they, they don't yeah. explicitly like really state the year for a reason i just think part of it is like this is a simpler time and this is friends hang- this is what friends do over the summer and outside of a baseball signed by babe ruth being used and a- chasing a dog pretty much everything else about this movie is real and even that part of like the only plot point in the movie is yeah. tangible it is it is within the realm of possibility and it's a lesson that kids can resonate with even though they might not be able to explain it to an adult why they felt this way why they did something yeah well it's it's funny because like you know the whole movie is a sports movie yeah i mean it's about baseball but it's not like the movie's climax is they get like your typical sports movie where it's like um What's it called? Like, oh, there's a big game at the end of it that they have to win. Yeah. And uh, that that is true. Know. That does break that trope. I didn't even think of it like that, but that is the trope of pretty much every sports movie is that there's the big game and the big yeah. moment where everything is they're the underdogs and like, oh, like they're gonna get their ass kicked in the first half, and the second half they're gonna come back and they're gonna really show it to oh, them. And stuff I like can't <laughs> I can't wait until we do miracle on this podcast because I know there's no shot you've seen that movie. Yeah, no, I haven't seen yeah. it. Well, so, um, if it was, if Looney Tunes weren't involved in your sports movie, I probably didn't see it when I was a kid. But you need the Looney Tunes. That's why we should have had Skate Jam. <laughs> no, that would be horrible. Anyway, that sa- <laughs> that just sounds like a bad T-shirt that you would see somebody wearing, like an. X- you know that, that was actually a thing. Oh, I know. That I'm sure it was. Thing. I'm just picturing somebody at a bowling alley wearing like an XXL shirt when they don't need an xxl shirt and it's just like this like it looks like it's spray painted on the shirt and it's just like taz on a skateboard like skateboard and just like well yeah yeah i would have seen it it would have been tony hawk and uh fucking looney tunes actually i'm kind of here for that to be honest they could make it now (laughs) yeah they could make it now tony the new tony hawk game just came out and it's still great (laughs) did it I, i i don't know it was fun. It was whatever. Anyways, Skate Jam. Uh, remember that. And also follow us on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Seen It Pod and leave us a five-star review. It helps the pod. So thanks, guys. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you all so much for listening again. We're going to see you back here next time. And we're going to dive into a deep, deep classic. We're covering The Godfather next week. Never seen it. And, and you started a movie podcast. God damn it, Tommy. Anyway. Have a good day. We'll see you next time.